1: G'day, welcome aboard the Starship Zero-G Science Fiction, Fantasy and Historical Radio for episode number 1301, entitled Movie Myths and Legends. (laughs) Our podcast title is Cinema Paradiso. I'm Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. And here we are with our second run through the Melbourne International Film Festival 2020 or 68.5 or 0.5 depending on how things go. <laughs> how
0: are you going, Megan? Not too bad. I mean, I think um, for everyone in Melbourne out there, we're thinking of you. And I mean, thank goodness we've got this festival coming up to keep us busy, program packed full of good zero G stuff. So I'm looking forward to being able to spend some time watching some good films and staying home and all that stuff. How about you, Rob? Well, I'm thinking of the listeners too. They
1: can't see me, but I'm holding my hand up to my, to my head like I'm making a telephone call like Professor X in the X-Men movies. So <laughs> beware.
0: <laughs>
1: all right, let's jump straight into it. We'd, we'd already covered the science fiction, fantasy, and uh, a couple of other sections of the MIF program last week. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we're all rolling into the Myth now. And, and as we explained last week, it's all digital and it's all online. So, so you're actually experiencing the myth the way that we do because we usually get online screeners. So you're getting a, a reviewer's view of myth. Exactly. So maybe, maybe you could be watching it on your Dick Tracy video phone <laughs> or else, you know, you're kicking back and watching it on some big screen TV or whatever. But enjoy the ride as we do. So we've gotten up to, I think, the historical section of the films, and there was a feature comedy called The Cow. (laughs) (laughs) I just love the title. It's directed by Kelly Reichardt. It's an American movie, a U.S.-American one. It's set in 19th century Oregon Territory where a Jewish chef and a Chinese immigrant scheme to carve a precarious living out of the American frontier. Now, for that one, I'm hoping for something like The Ballad of Buster (laughs) (laughs) Scruggs.
0: We can only hope.
1: Yeah, it may not be, but you know, it sounds like a good idea. Either that, or it sounds like the start of a bar joke, <laughs> exactly, or as they call it in the old West, a barroom joke, because <laughs> that's usually what happens when you walk into a bar in a in the West. You hear, immediately thereafter you hear barroom as someone lets go of a scattergun.
0: <laughs> The so next up on the uh, history section, we've got a really interesting film called DAU Natasha. Now this is directed by Ilya Kazhanovsky and Jekka Tarina Otel. And now what's really, really interesting about this, so there's a couple of elements. So it's non-professional actors. They are living 24-7 inside a recreation set of Stalin area Soviet Russia. So they're in this set living, breathing, living out their characters for two years. In order to simulate the effects of life in this totalitarian regime. So there's a couple of warnings attached to this around some of the themes and unsimulated sex, quite basically, and some high impact violence and things like that. So it's a bit of a caution attached, but fascinating stuff. So this is the first movie to come out of this project. Very controversial, obviously. And, you know, this is its Australian premiere. And so it's sort of, yeah, 1950s era, very strange. I'm so intrigued to see what this film is. And apparently the filming and sort of this recreation was absolutely meticulous and just is this very chilling and a unique film. Like this is an ambitious project. So D-A-U, Natasha. Uh, Check that one out.
1: Wow. (laughs) It's not going to substitute for the Black Widow film that we don't have yet.
0: Oh, yes.
1: Black Widow. But maybe it'll be sort of like Red Sparrow-ish type thing.
0: I think it's going to be pretty interesting, probably pretty heavy too, but I think absolutely unique piece of filmmaking.
1: Why does the phrase big comrade is watching you (laughs) occur to mind? All right. So we've got one called... And I love the title of this, Looky, Looky, Here Comes Cookie.
0: <laughs> so good to say, isn't it? <laughs> it is not it
1: <laughs> it's a feature musical documentary and it's directed by Stephen McGregor. It is an Australian film and it's the 250th anniversary of Captain Cook's arrival in Australia, as seen through the songs of the surprised to be discovered indigenous inhabitants. I think that's just a, a wonderful idea to have a, a musical accompaniment to the inverted commas settlement of Australia seen from the shore. Mm. I actually bet it's going to be quite a hit in the festival, this one. Looky, looky, here comes Cookie. Now, moving from the historical to miscellaneous, and these are always the ones where we can't quite figure out what we're talking about.
0: (laughs) So first up on the the MISC list is a comedy called Black Bear. So this is directed by Lawrence Michael Levine. Uh, It's a USA film, so it's sort of a psychodrama. It looks like one of those really intimate chilling. It's about a filmmaker and she kind of inserts herself into another couple's relationship and their problems and kind of exploits that for her own creativity. So it stars Aubrey Plaza, who is an actress and comedian who I really love, and apparently it's a really great performance from her. It's very much about reality, representation, creativity, and and using of life for creative ends and problems around that. So I think it's going to be sort of one of those domestic thrillers, a bit of manipulation in there, and I'm hoping to see a lot of um, engaging, angry scenes coming out of this one. So it's sort of a, yeah, psychodrama relationship picture about, yeah, a bit of a meta commentary on creator and subject. So that's Black Bear and that's another spotlight film at the Myth.
1: We have Kala Azar, which is a feature drama directed by Janis Rafa from the Netherlands and Greece. And really this one, The setup sounds quite simple. It's a couple making a living from death. They're actually going around picking up roadkill and retrieving people's dead pets and there may be taxidermy involved although they possibly catch an uber instead of a taxidermy i'm not quite sure about that one and that's why it's in the miscellaneous section kala azar
0: next is shiva baby it's another feature comedy from the us by emma seligman robs done the perfect summary here death to shiva sums up the experience of this black comedy. So I think it's in the ilk of, yeah, your black comedies. It's about a young 20 something. She goes back to, um, see her family at a, at a Shiva. But obviously, you know, a few different things get thrown into the mix, such as exes and lovers and all kinds of secrets. And that all kind of comes out in this awkward, not opportune time, from what I can tell. So that one looks like one of those great awkward comedies, Shiva Baby.
1: And this one I kind of threw in because it's got costumes in it. (laughs) (laughs) Which I'm assuming, unless we're watching movies about Ferengi females in a Star Trek mode, that it, all of the films will have costumes mostly. But it's called T, as in the letter T. It's a short drama directed by Keisha Ray-Wiverspoon from US America. The T of the title refers to the annual Tea Ball, which is a costume tribute to the dead conjured up by the medium of T-shirts and other wearable art creations. Cool. Yeah. Uh, fulfilling our, our costume component for the day, I think. All right. Now we're going to have another bit of a tribute to Ennio Morricone, the late great composer. And I've been wanting to play this one for a while. It's the soundtrack from the 1970 Don Segal directed film Two Mules for Sister Sarah. And of course, this is another Clint Eastwood vehicle. It's by the City of Prague Philharmonic Orchestra from this great, set of cds called 100 greatest western themes now whether or not they all fit your brief about greatest western themes i don't know but this one i certainly found is right up there two mules for sister sarah hello you little lovelies this is your old fat arty jack on radio free triple r you're listening to zero g and if you don't listen to it closely i'm gonna jump through your speakers and rip your bloody arms off
0: and I will to. Oh, well, I know, Robert. And Jack, we know
1: you'll be back. Though you're ten feet tall, you don't scare us at all. You're big, bold and tough. There we go, riding off into the sunset with Mr. Clint Eastwood and Shirley MacLaine. Mm. Don Segal directed film Two Mules for Sister Sarah from 1970 And that was, of course, Ennio Morricone strumming away there in the background. Fairly typical Morricone Western score there because I really like that film.
0: It's a lovely (laughs) piece of music.
1: And here we are, Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. Working through the, ah, you call this work? (laughs) (laughs) Looking at the Melbourne International Film Festival selection for 2020, reading the genre entrails in classic zero-G form as usual. And we've just looked through some of the historical films and some of the miscellaneous ones. And now I want to have a look at a, well, it's not science fiction, but it is partly encompassing that, as it is about the world of tomorrow today, and it's a documentary about coded bias. Megan, you should take the lead on this one.
0: Yes, so we took a look at coded bias. So it's a documentary on a topic that I'm very interested in. So it's directed by Shalini Kantaya, who also wrote the film. We start the film really with a very small issue that was noticed by Joy Bula And she's a MIT Media Lab researcher and she was working on a project around facial recognition, so just a small project. But then she discovered, because she is indeed a woman of colour, so she's a black woman, that the facial recognition software had a lot of trouble recognising her face. And this led her down a path of discovery and discussion of racial bias and other bias in these algorithms, as well as some of the bigger issues in tech Today. So we're talking largely ethics and the problematic side of artificial intelligence. More specifically, drilling into things like algorithms, facial recognition and machine learning with a bit of an overall umbrella and a message that I think is one that has been around for a while around needing more diversity in tech because the inherent bias that's built into tech products and services today, very much due to who has a seat at the table. So, the facial recognition software, I mean, I don't think this is much of a spoiler, very, very good at recognizing white male faces, (laughs) less good at women, less good at people of color, and definitely less good at women of color. So, very, very interesting topics that I think everyone should be aware of. Some of these issues, especially as we all mostly take part in this kind of tech in some way, shape, or form. And as someone I work in tech, I think it's something that you have to be very engaged with and aware of. Did mean a lot of this wasn't that new for me, but I think again, it's sort of an awareness raising piece. What was your take on it, Rob?
1: Oh, it's terrifying. <laughs> We're in real Black Mirror territory here. They're talking about algorithmic harm as a concept. I did like that they formed their own algorithmic justice league.
0: Absolutely. I think that was a really nice message from this. I think there was some good takeaways. I mean, we're not going to obviously spoil it for you, so you can still go and see the film, but there's some hopeful messages and there's some action being taken as well in the film. So it's not just all dire, but it definitely, a lot of this is scary stuff and, yeah, very much about the community control that some a small group of people have over these breakthroughs and people who are making tech. And it's come from humans and built by humans. So our bias goes straight into that computer, basically.
1: I do like that they referenced classic science fiction AI right up at the start and then just sort of threw it away saying this is not what's happening.
0: <laughs> no, I think it does a nice job of pointing out some of the ways it diverts from some of the classic science fiction tropes we've seen, but also some ways that it it goes further, like it's kind of beyond that in some different ways. I think as well, it's all sort of very issues that we're sort of facing in the world at the moment. And I think it's good to start more discussion around that. And I think tech is just one layer of all of that as well. And yeah, it's not, and these products aren't a special ethical zone. <laughs> it's uh, very much not neutral and not objective.
1: It reminds me of the ethical debate about biotechnology, which of course is very big in the 21st century mm-hmm. and how things were being done without any oversight to start with.
0: Yeah, yeah. The main thing humans hate to realise is that we have our own fallacies and there's a lot of issues in society that when the machine learns from us, it takes on our habits and it takes on our bias and yeah and sort of this is sort of what that film's unpacking. I mean I like two with very diverse voices, very few men featured in this, if any from memory. So we've got a lot of female experts in the field. Definitely get your reading list out and jot down some of the titles because there's some very interesting stuff. I do actually have a couple of if you are interested in this documentary and after you watch it possibly you are interested in learning more, I've got a couple of quick Titles, book recommendations for those who might be interested more in discovering this area. So, we've got, I mean, anything on the ethics of self driving cars is very interesting at the moment. That's another hot topic around how to program the car and who it should be prioritizing the safety of. Um, another couple of good books that I can recommend is Brotopia Breaking Up the Boys Club of Silicon Valley by Emily Chang. That's a very, very good book, and especially for anyone who works in tech, but also just as a as an insight. Similarly, Uncanny Valley by Anna Wiener. It's another memoir about her experiences in the tech world in San Francisco. More specifically, we've got Machine Platform Crowd Harnessing Our Digital Future by Andrew McAfee McAfee and Eric Brynjolfsson. The Rise of Big Data Policing, Surveillance, Race, and the Future of Law Enforcement by Andrew Guthrie Ferguson. Algorithms of Oppression, How Search Engines Reinforce Racism by Safia Umoja-Noble, Sexist Apps, Biased Algorithms and Other Threats of Toxic Tech by Sarah wakna Botica. And also I can recommend, this is a nice follow-on from Machine, a documentary that filmed at last year's Biff. Again, if
1: you would be so kind as to post those on the Zero G Facebook page, so if people didn't get to write any of those down, they could look them up later on. Absolutely. Because of course, Zero G has a Facebook page.
0: (laughs) I'll pop them on the Facebook page and our program page on the Triple R website as well.
1: Okay. I did like that the main people in this documentary were all our kind of geeks. Absolutely. I did see at least one set of Wakandan earrings. Hmm.
0: With a bit of a crossover too. I don't know if you would have recognised the crossover, but I won't spoil it for people who might uh, spot that in the film. Very big fan.
1: <laughs> yeah. One of the things uh, I, I, I would add to that list of reading, uh, just about any book by Corey Doctorow, who is, uh, mm, we've had nice. him at the show before and he talks a great deal about uh, digital rights and about Mm -hmm. the the future of technology in these areas. Okay, so what was the film again?
0: So that was Coded Bias, screening for the MIFF this year, so you can get tickets to that one on the MIFF website. Mm. Well, rolling
1: from straight science to science fiction, Human Nature, which is a, a short animated documentary directed by Sverre Frederiksen in the Netherlands, And last week we were saying it's a stop animated film which explores a world where humans are not the self-styled lords of creation. And having viewed the film, I can say that's spot on. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there there seems to be a bit of um, a theme running around in some of the myth films about um, uh, how humans go wrong when they anthropomorphise Animals and how we take a lot of things for granted. It's it's beautifully animated in its own way. Uh, I was saying this about uh, another film that I'll speak about later on, but uh, I very much felt like I, I was watching a film that came from the Netherlands. It felt like there was a style there that was particular to there. Hmm. I don't know why, but um, you know, I've run into that before. Human nature, an animated short. And the other one that we mentioned, a very, very short film, Mother Bunker, animated science fiction directed by George Metaxas, which is an Australian film, a uh, stop-animated film where a robot army holed up in an underground bunker are entertained by one of their fellow soldiers dressed up as a human. And, again, that is exactly what happens. It's it's some lovely animation. Mm. And it's so short you think, oh, that is the one gag of the story and mm-hmm. There you go. We've given it away. <laughs> but it's perfectly done. Mm. And as a as an introduction to that man's work, you would love to see more a full-length film. That, if, if this guy did one, it would be great. But you can see he's probably put his heart and soul into that particular short. And this is one of the things when you get these uh, short compilations at the festival where they do a, a small mini-program of, of them, mm. um, you really get a focus upon upon some uh, cutting-edge art that people Mm. put together, and that's why I particularly like this. Plus, it's kind of funny. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and again, um, AI intelligence and revolting robots. And and seriously, after watching Coded Bias and seeing that bit where they talk about um, Microsoft AI that learnt misogyny and racism after being online for a couple of hours, so they had to switch it off
0: the drops that, of Twitter,
1: yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I often think that Skynet, that's what will happen. They'll put it in charge of um, comment sorting
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> on the internet and then it'll just go crazy and go, you guys don't, you're not worth it. <laughs> so Mother Bunker, which is actually as good as I, I thought it would be. I also watched He Can't Live Without Cosmos. Ah, yes, the little space film. Mm, directed by Konstantin Bronzit and it's a Russian film where a young boy isn't just de- destined to become a cosmonaut. He's literally born one already wearing a spacesuit. So, you know, we're already in slightly surreal territory, but this is a really good one if you happen to be a space buff or a space hipster as a, as a Facebook uh, group is named. He's not like other kids. <laughs> <laughs> and it's such a cute little story. He coughs inside his little visor and sort of puffs it up which is something that we all can relate to in Melbourne at the moment with our masks and our spectacles.
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Um, and his mum tries to dissuade him from becoming a spacer and he really won't have a bar of it. But it's it's kind of sweet uh, about when she tries to do that and there's a reason for that, which is so poignant. This is, oh, after, after all, a Russian film and, as we know, some Russian animation can be quite dour. <laughs> oh, dear. But, you know, uh, it's a beautiful little film. He Can't Live Without Cosmos, directed by Constantine Bronzett. The sound the sound effects are really good as he's walking around in his spacesuit, <laughs> And I just loved it. Now, one film that we did mention last week, which has actually been uh, withdrawn from the festival, was The Trouble With Being Born, a feature science fiction film directed by Sandra Volner in Germany and she's uh, an Austrian um, filmmaker, and this involved um, exploitation of a young female form android, Mm -hmm. and they had a a whole bunch of reasons for withdrawing it, which is a a fight that uh, is there to be unpacked by anyone who's interested in the the dichotomy between trying to do something in the arts that's about a transgressive subject, Mm -hmm. at the same time while not trying to feed that. And in this case, it's, it's the crime of pedophilia. So I, I see how they ran into collision with that. And I haven't viewed the film, so I can't really say either way. But just to let you know that The Trouble with Being Born has been withdrawn from the festival. All right, let's have a, a track here. And I wanted another Morricone track. No particular reason for playing this, apart from the fact that I found it in my collection. Ooh. And I thought, oh, I didn't know I had that. <laughs> And then I realised we did review this film back in the 1990s, 1994, I think, uh, on Zero G. Um, Ennio Morricone did the score for Wolf. And this is a lycanthropic film directed by Mike Nichols. And it starred Jack Nicholson as the werewolf and Michelle Pfeiffer, who had a a kind of a thing about being in uh, shape-shifting movies. I think she played a hawk. In the Lady Hawk movie, opposite ah. with Kahawa, a where a were bird. <laughs> <laughs> well, she is pretty wear. <laughs> a great actress and also a wasp as well. There's way too many tubby <laughs> use for the referring,
0: all. of course, to Ant Man and the Wasp, and not her being. I mean, she's sort of the other type of wasp as well. I think so. Well, in
1: um. Uh, Catwoman, of course, in the Batman uh, Returns movie, but there she's a cat. I'm getting, I'm getting way too mixed up with my animal metaphors. Let's just go with a track called Wolf from the Wolf movie from 1994, Ennio Morricone. Hi, my name's Igledon. I'm the author of the Dangerous Book for Boys and Wolf of the Plains, and you're listening to Zero G on Three Triple R. Ah. That was uh, Serendipity. (laughs) Actually, the track was called Wolf. It's from the 1994 film Wolf by uh, Mike Nichols, who directed it, and it stars Jack Nicholson and Michelle Pfeiffer, and Ennio Modicone did the score for it. And I didn't know that um, that Con Eagleton ID I had was about Wolf in the Plains. (laughs) So, you know, the lichens of a pelt flock together or something like that
0: <laughs> lichens of a pelt, i like that let's start using it <laughs> yeah.
1: okay so we here we are rob jan and megan McHugh, and we are talking about the miff 2020 melbourne international film festival 68 and a half which is to <laughs> say to explain their digital online presence now you know uh we're quite advanced in the progression of the miff at the moment and if you um you want to make sure that you check out the digital online tickets and and get any that you can before they all are sold out. And, indeed, if any are sold out that we've talked about today, um, that's the way it happens. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm really missing the paper guide that we used to get uh, when the the myth was in full swing, but, you know, circumstances uh, prevail and good on them for continuing on into the present circumstances. All right, so our science fiction film that I watched at the myth at Atlantis, a mm-hmm. feature science fiction film directed by Valentin Vasyanovich. It's a Ukrainian science fiction film, and Valentin did uh, another film called Black Level and Crepuscule. I really like that title. Crepuscule.
0: I think it's crepuscule, but (laughs) I like your pronunciation.
1: There are many words that I will do like that that I've never heard pronounced. (laughs) I didn't, you know, you can spit it out to crepuscular. Yeah. You know, I used to think that terpsichore was pronounced terpsichore and not. Terpsychocore or something like that. You know, I have all sorts of problems with things. Anyway, <laughs> it's a soldier suffering from PTSD. He befriends a young volunteer hoping to restore peaceful energy to a war-torn society. Now, it is set in 2025, and apologies for writing down the wrong year last week when I gave a heads up on it, and the Ukraine – has survived its conflict with Russia, and the cost has been enormous to the country. Now, this is one of those films where you know that all they did when they filmed ruined buildings and wastelands is actually just went outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, in fact, there's one stage where they go through a ruined apartment block and, you know, you just go, they didn't build that, they did not dress that, it's just real. So uh, Valentin Vasyanovich was born in 1971 in the Ukraine, And I believe that has heavily influenced his style, the fact that he's grown up in all of this horror and nightmarish situations amongst the war. And, um, oh, my God, this is a bleak film.
0: Yep, I can imagine.
1: (laughs) So bleak. Yeah. Uh, You know, but I was um, reading an article the other day that said that uh, fans of horror movies and people who have a, a morbid interest in the macabre, and sometimes that uh, that does, uh, I don't know if you'd believe it or not, but sometimes that does apply to me. <laughs> so <laughs> reportedly, according to this study, we have a, a better ability to cope with an apocalyptic situation. Mm, yeah, um, Maybe because, you know, we've, we've sort
0: of uh, run
1: through it in the simulation of our minds.
0: I remember Von Trier talked a lot about that being the push behind his film Melancholia. Yeah. And that was what inspired him to, yeah, because he, he'd seen that sometimes people who experience deep depression will be able to come to terms with things like an apocalypse more easily.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, we're kind of prepped in, in uh, Von Trier terms for the for two planets colliding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, spoiler! Okay, get over it.
0: <laughs> oh, yes, yeah. it's, it's decades old, guys. <laughs> and
1: I suppose the title Atlantis. I was, I, was, I was ruminating about that. I guess it refers to the fact that the that the Ukraine had sunk beneath the waves of war, but it was still mm. there, and the human beings were still sort of f- swimming around on the surface after it had sunk. And that is very much the case with the character of. Sergei, who is uh, played by Andri Raimaruk, and Katya, played by Ludmila Bileka. and uh, these are uh, not not a star-crossed couple. Um, Katya was a, a, a an archaeologist before the war, and she joined up because she had medical knowledge. Um, she joined up as a par- a, a, a paramedic, and um, um, Sergei has his own little uh, horrible backstory from the war. Mm. Um, Katia is now working as um, as a let me say a forensic coroner's assistant,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, retrieving bodies from the battlefield, from war graves, from especially from suspected war crimes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and uh, this is where she meets um, Sergei, who is. Got two jobs at least initially. He works in one of the surviving steel plants, which is this um, ex-Soviet era monolithic construct that he can see from the roof of his apartment block
0: hmm. because
1: he's, he just he just walks to work or something every day. But his other job is that he um, he goes out into what they call the zone
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and uh, helps locate bodies. So he's got these, Whew. you know, I mean, he's got these two great jobs. <laughs>
0: Yeah, really uplifting.
1: <laughs> now, they do drill down into the forensic pathology aspect of all of this
0: mm-hmm.
1: with uh, with a coroner solemnly recording the, the facts uh, and trying to work out exactly what's happened to people. Mm-hmm. And there, that, that does actually uh, uh, blend into the main storyline quite well. Okay. Um, there's a, a framing mechanism that they use with um, – Uh, an infrared camera, which kind of gives you an insight into a greater backstory than we think might be there. Uh, I said this is a bleak film. Um, It is about uh, the the absolutely shattered survivors of a terrible conflict. It's called Atlantis, Mm -hmm. uh, and it is a near future science fiction film. All right, so we're uh, running out of time for Zero G almost today. I can see we're going to bang into uh, the wall of Kronos and the temporal flux as we accelerate into the future. Uh, so I'll just riff into some fantasy films here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a one called Ghosts, which is a short fantasy directed by Park ji Yun from South mm. Korea. And I said last week that um, blended together by routine and ennui, a couple become ghosts in their own home, and this is literally true.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the sound design on this one I think is really good too. Yes,
1: yes. It's very creepy, but but also a bit um <sighs> Lelouch. There's sort of a laid back feeling to it. Like this yeah. is in, this is inevitable.
0: <laughs> <laughs> very strange little piece, but I I quite liked it.
1: It's surreal, so yeah, there are fish in it. Mm. <laughs> in fact the the couple are swimming around there. Their uh, sharply delineated apartment, and it's all done in black and white um, drawings. So there's no hiding in this one. Uh, it's it's it, there are crows and fish and all sorts of unusual, surreal happenings yeah. that occur to them. And and I actually I actually felt very strongly for this poor couple because they're like a lot of couples in lockdown at the moment.
0: Yeah, it was all very close to home, wasn't it? <laughs>
1: yeah. You see, working from home could potentially be fun and a joy, but when you throw in a lockdown on top of it so there's absolutely no escaping anywhere for any time, that's pretty heavy. (laughs) And so maybe Ghosts is a film that you want to watch to inspire you not to let everything just munge together in one big, enormous gloop. Glob.
0: (laughs) Yep, exactly. Uh,
1: A feature animated fantasy I want to mention is Bombay Rose. Mm. Now, this is a glorious film. It's directed by uh, Gitanjali Rao. It's a joint Indian, Qatari, France, United Kingdom funded film. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is basically a Bollywood styled animated movie musical about a Hindi flower seller. Uh, she she sells those little um, uh, little ropes of flowers that are used for various purposes in a marketplace, but she's also a dancer and presumably a prostitute at night working in a, one of the dance clubs that they have in uh, Bombay. Uh, and she becomes romantically entangled with a Muslim man who also sells flowers at the same market.
0: Okay.
1: Though he has a slightly shady backstory as well. Okay. Not not that um, uh, the female character actually is shady. I mean, she's doing what she does to get along. Mm. She's in a very difficult situation. Um, she and her younger sister were rescued from uh, potential uh, arranged marriage enslavement and then by her grandfather, and he took them off to another part of the country. And they're trying to make uh, eke out a living there, her um her grandfather is repairing uh, watches in the same market. Um, their little sister is able to actually go to school and she's learning English uh, amongst other things, from a lady called uh, Mr. Sousa, who has her own uh, very interesting backstory too. Okay. So there are a number of a number of um of couples either linked by by kinship or uh, their colleagues or the romantic entanglement of the main couple in this one. Now, the director has done um, some animated uh, independent short films before, and so this is her debut feature. And it's a really lovely film, really evocative. I felt like I was actually uh, living in a little section of Bombay for a while. Um, in a way, it's it's almost like a, a Miyazaki film with a bit more of a, a heavy-duty um, engagement with contemporary society the little the little schoolgirl tara is actually quite proactive in a miyazaki heroine way yes. um and the romance between the two characters you know there's going to be a problem
0: mm.
1: this is a given it's a bollywood style film there are some there are some little songs song numbers and some dances because of course uh, one of the characters is a dancer and let me just say that um I really enjoyed the, the characters of Kampala and Salim. Salim is the, uh, the, uh, the Muslim and Kampala is the Hindi. And um, the, uh, the moments in this film that I really like were sort of focuses upon things like um, Kampala toying idly with an ankle chain that she's wearing. So they've really, they've really drilled in there um, uh, a cigarette seller uh, automatically putting herbs onto cigarettes. Uh, in, a, in a in a rote fashion because that's what he does for a living. Mm-hmm. Um, the gloriously depicted marketplace with its constant uh, flow of traffic in between some of the main characters reminded me very much of um, old Disney films where they're multi-plane cameras where they're, they're setting up sliding layers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very nice sense of place conveyed in this. And as I said, you feel like you're living in it for a while and it's got some magic realism going on, like um, – uh, Anthropomorphic things happen around the character of the pimp who runs the nightclub, and there is a bit of um, empowerment in this, and uh, and freeing yourself from uh, oppression. And okay, you know, this is not one of those stories that's going to lift you entirely up out of the out of poverty. In it, it's not a, um, a slumdog millionaire film, mm-hmm. but it's good enough, you know. Sometimes just that slight elevation. So I'm just telling you that so that you won't go, oh, it sounds very bleak, because <laughs> <laughs> it's not. The colours are spectacular and subtle in some cases, mm-hmm. but, but also, you know, um, they are done in a, a sort of a brushed fashion and often in a soft-pedalled way, so, or soft-pedalled, because uh, roses do feature in Bombay Rose, as the title goes. So, you know, I, I think this is a, a really fine little film, Bombay Rose. It's an animated feature at the 2020 MIF 68 and a half. Sounds great. Hmm. So from that to uh, a horror short called Nimic. Ooh,
0: yes. So Nimic, directed by Yorgos Lanthamos. So he, of course, we know from uh, the likes of The Lobster, Killing of a Sacred Deer, and The Favourite, which is probably his film that most people would be most familiar with possibly. So this short is a Germany-UK-USA production. And, I mean, I don't want to say too much about it really, it's just a little ten-minute thing. I think it just hammers home to me that he is one of the most interesting and uh, kind of evocative filmmakers at the moment who's doing things, making films, if you will. Because uh, the mood of this thing is is very him. If you've watched some of his other things, so it's about a cellist and a series of unusual events that happen in his day, and I um. Yeah, I've sort of watched it. I just watched it this morning, and just the mood of it, I think, is just very. Um, it it's so vibrant. I don't know. Vibrant isn't quite the right word. What was your takeaway from it, Rob?
1: Uh, I, I was I was feeling it was a little Groundhog Day, but in mm. a much a much grimmer way. <laughs>
0: Absolutely, very. Um, yeah, he's he always has these sort of very interesting simple concepts, but the way he does it just really just hammers into the brain. So he's uh, he's from Greece, and like I mentioned, his sort of his first feature was Kaneta, which I haven't seen, and his second feature was a film called uh, Dog Tooth, which I also haven't seen. So I'd be intrigued. Have you seen any of his? What of his work are you familiar with?
1: Oh, just those main films that you mentioned before. Uh, yeah. I- I, I felt like I was, know uh, this is a, a very thing, you know how like we've had all these different, you get these different waves of things like mm. um, uh, J-horror or uh, um, uh, British extreme horror. Mm. In this case we're in, into the weird Greek movies. It's,
0: uh, yeah. I don't yeah. know, like the way he does things, it's like this concept that could be so, um, sort of not that sinister, or I mean sinister, but he just makes it so much more sinister. I think it's it's that sort of muted horror, which is maybe more horrific in some ways.
1: I feel like he's a little bit Jordan Peel-ish.
0: Yeah, I definitely got some of those vibes. I think they're coming at it from different uh, sides of the coin, if you will. I think Yorgos's style is very um, more muted and much more surreal whereas I think Jordan Peel's definitely coming at it from a societal satire lens, but I think they're both, you're right, I think they're very much working within the same bucket of concepts and issues and ideas but executed differently. I think it's a great short. I think people should just, just watch it. Mm. So we've had
1: a, a, a great um, time discussing films from the Melbourne International Film Festival 2020 or 68 and a half, as they're calling it. Mm-hmm. And, okay, it hasn't been um, for you, it, for the Joe public, Joe and Jane public out there, it won't be the, the usual experience of MIFF because it is all online and digital, but it does once again give you a chance to view not quite as many films as usual, but at least, you know, over 100. So, you know, that's no bad thing. And we'd like to thank Jaden Carroll from the MIF for helping us get across the program for this year and of course for the screeners. So, you know, at least you can say, hey, we've had the same experience of MIF as the Zero G reviewers usually do by watching watching things online. And you will you will avoid the miffles because there's no you know, it's pretty nasty out there at the moment. I would say stay frosty, but it's <laughs> Melbourne in winter. You're going to do that by default, and that line comes from um, uh, the film Aliens, and perhaps um, Alien Xenomorph attack is not something you want on your 2020 Apocalypse bingo card.
0: Definitely not. I'll pass on that one, thanks.
1: <laughs> I mean, is it snow out there or is it ash from the uh, supervolcano that's just erupted? <laughs> no, there is no supervolcano erupting, I'm sure. I think <laughs> let's say it's ash from alien instead that's no help <laughs> no <laughs> all right so we're going to go out with uh, a david bowie related track i thought i'd put a smile on your dial with something uh mrs major tom featuring cheryl Crow and william shatner <laughs> from his seeking major tom album joe brunatic coming up next with astral glamour and thank you to Kayla Larson, our podcaster.
0: Thank you, Megan. Thank you, Rob.
1: G'day, this is Rob Jan. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website.